The following audio is a Sunday sermon from Red Church in Blackburn, Australia. For more information about the church and its ministry, please go to www.redchurch.org.au. Uh, it's a real pleasure. I am the AM service pastor, so the equivalent of Brit here in the mornings. Uh, just a heads up, I am scared of spiders. So, uh, so this morning when I spoke... Uh, he was a bit further away, and he's been coming a bit closer. So if he starts coming over, just start waving, and I'll wrap things up, and we'll be done for the night. So uh, he's been moving around. Um, anyway, so my wife kills the spiders in our house. So what I really uh, am excited to be here and share with you, um, Mark and Sarah and some of the team are overseas at the moment, visiting uh, in Portland, uh, visiting John Mark Homer's church in Bridgetown. Mark is speaking to about 150 leaders from all around the world to come and just share some of his thoughts and some of the things that he's been, uh, God has been speaking to him and he gets to share. So we're privileged to be able to release that whole team to go and uh, just minister over there. So that means that uh, I get to come and speak to you, which is exciting. Well, I've been on the teaching team here for about four years and when I started, uh, here, it was, uh, I was the fill-in guy, you know what I mean? So in between series, when they needed someone to fill in, that was me. Uh, and we're not in a series at the moment, we're going to be in one soon, so I'm the fill-in guy again, and I'm excited. It means I get to speak about whatever I want. So, and God has really put something on my heart this morning, really, uh, that he wants me to share uh, with, uh, with the congregation this morning, with you guys. Really excited about it, so I'm just going to really pray uh, quickly about that. Father, this, mor- uh, this evening, as we are here, that... Um, that you have given me something that, that you have been stirring in my heart for quite a while now. And my prayer this evening is that as I speak, that, that the hearts, the eyes of people's hearts would be open to you, that you have been moving as we have been singing, that you have been ministering to us, that you have been speaking to us, even though we may not know it. But you are wanting to do something here tonight, Lord, and I want to step into that. I pray as I speak that the people here don't see me, but they see you, Jesus that they see your cross, they see the work that you have done, that this is all about you, it has been about you, it is about you, and it will be all about you. You are our King and you are our Saviour, and we love you, and I look forward to what you are going to share tonight. Amen. So what I love when I've always filled in uh, in the services, I like going back to basics. I like, uh, I'm a very passionate about my, my upbringing was very much uh, missing out some of the basics, so I didn't quite understand what it was to be a follower of Jesus, and, and it's easy for us to forget some of the basics that we, uh, that we have learned about that shaped us, that make us, made us want to follow Jesus. And I always like reminding us and bringing back to that. So what God has shared with me uh, this, over the last couple of weeks, I want to share with you. And going back to basics, what I want to start with is fashion. Okay, I'm going to start with fashion. And it's like, for some of you, excited because I come to the evening here. And a lot of you, you're quite fashionable compared to our AM service. Don't tell them that. Uh, there's a lot of mum and dads struggling to even get to church, let alone uh, make themselves look pre- uh, presentable. Uh, and I respect, and I really don't know. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll play the AM podcast. Um, so, uh, but for me, and I'm not fashionable. Right? I don't consider my fashionable. If you saw my cupboard, I've got, uh, I think it's like 10 or 15 black polo shirts. That is the only thing I wear when I'm not, a, when I'm not preaching or I'm not at a wedding. Uh, I have worn polo shirts to a wedding as well, but it's a, that's my dress. That's all I go with. That's all I do. And I love, love wearing polos. I always have. I've gone with a cheaper polo now because I was buying expensive polos when I was younger. Uh, and I love those, those, you know, those polo Ralph Lauren shirts, the ones with the little the horses on it and the man. You know what I'm talking about? And 
and uh, I used to wear a lot of them. They, they fit me well. I'm a big unit, so it's good for my shape. Uh, it's a nice cut. It's a little bit longer at the back than the front. There's something cool about that. Um, there's a really good solid material that, that washes well. Uh, I love it. I love it. But when I was back early days, I'm like, man, these are so expensive. I would only ever buy them when they were sale. And I thought, I've got to do... I've got to do some due diligence here, and I've got to find out a better way to buy these things. Buy these things. So in the early, I'm a bit older than you, most of you, but um, in the early days of internet shopping, you know, or online, I don't know what to call it now, online shopping, I thought it's the best way to get a bargain. I went onto eBay, and I thought, let me get, let me get some of these, these Paul or Ralph Lauren shirts, which are so beautiful. And uh, I went online, I looked, and there were some great prices. They had the colors I wanted. There was this beautiful blue with the, the, the yellow man and... Uh, uh, over time, that, that yellow, yellow polar man's gotten bigger and bigger. I don't know if you've seen the shirts. They're getting big and they're huge. Um, and basically, I thought, man, I want one with the big logo. And it was just, uh, it was like, I was so excited. And I ordered, I thought, no, no, I know there's some issues with online shopping. You can get dodgy stuff. And I thought, no, I'm going to get local shipping. So it's definitely something from Australia. And I got this shirt. It was a great price. And I got it delivered. And it came to my house. And uh, I was on the doorstep. I picked it up. I brought it in. And straight away, I'm like, oh, something's not right. Right, there's a lot of Chinese writing all over it, so already I'm thinking, okay, and maybe the giveaway, it said airmail, like, it, I did ask for local shipping, but this thing obviously had come from overseas, I didn't think of anything of it, I chucked it on the bed, uh, and I went, we had dinner, and I came back in the room, and I thought, oh, let's open this, so I opened it up, and it was this beautiful blue polo Ralph Lauren shirt with this beautiful, and it was still in the plastic, this beautiful little yellow uh, um, horseman thing, the polo man, and... I took it out of the plastic bag and I put it on the table and I'm looking at on the, on the bed there and I'm looking at it and I'm going, hmm, wait a minute. Why is it that's not as long at the back? Well, that's not right. That's not right. And I started looking at it and I felt the material and I thought, oh, this is not as thick as the ones I've got. And I got my other shirts out and I'm like, yeah, that's, that's not the same. Right? It looked beautiful. It looked, it looked, looked fantastic. And then I uh, turned it inside out and where the, the little man is, it's on my, on my, my proper shirts. Like, there's this, this, like the stitching is well done. On this one, it still had that little white thing that's the back that they stitched through. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's all crumbly. And I'm like, oh, no. And then I look at the tag and the tag's not quite right. And I'm like, what have I done? And then I lift it up. And it's no kidding. I'm a big unit and I'm an extra large. There you go. I'm, I'm confessing that to you. I've got some work to do there. It's, uh, it's an extra large shirt and I'll pick it up and it's like, it's like it'll fit a 12-year-old boy. And I'm like, oh, this thing is, it broke my heart. And I was first time internet shopping and I was hoping for something exciting. And the thing is, this shirt, if you just, if you saw it on a rack somewhere and you saw it anywhere else from a distance, you'd say, oh, it actually looks similar. It looks almost exactly the same, but it's not the real thing. And this morning, what, I, what God has put in my heart to speak about is that Sometimes for us, when we follow Jesus, and uh, I'm talking about myself in this as well, that it can be something that looks very similar, but actually it's not the real thing. That there is something important about aligning ourselves with Jesus that is what he calls us to do. But sometimes, if, if, if we align ourselves with Jesus, sometimes we can just be five degrees off. And as the further we travel... We get further and further away from Jesus. And when we look at the Bible, what, what I see and what surprises me so much is the way that Jesus responds to those who are, if Jesus is this way, they're not even walking, they're walking in the opposite direction of Jesus, how his love and his compassion for them is incredible. Like you think about the woman caught in adultery, he has such compassion and love for them. You think about Zacchaeus, the taxman, which everyone hates, that he calls him out and says, let me come to dinner with you. He has a passion for them. But then you look at the way 
He talks to the people who are in the church, to the priests and to the Pharisees and to the rabbis and the ones who are supposed to be aligned with God in the way that uh, they point to, are supposed to point to God, to the Father. And a lot of things, the way he talks to them, have you noticed that it's a completely different thing, that, that, that the way they're not necessarily aligning themselves with God, that he speaks to them quite harshly. He speaks to them with, with quite an intensity and uh, he talks to them, like he calls them like brood of vipers and he calls them all these different, different names and he says, and he often at sometimes he'll talk to them and he says to them, do I offend you in what I'm saying? Like Jesus is quite firm and, and there's a stark difference the way that he talks to people. And this is what I really want to talk about this morning is that, that when we are aligned with Jesus, that when we've been doing church, there's a chance that we can actually just go a couple of degrees off. And often in the old times with the Pharisees, they were trying to align themselves with God, but they found themselves a few degrees or even a few more degrees. And Jesus has something to say about that, that he is, he is passionately wanting to talk about it. And it's, sometimes it's ever so subtle. And I want to help us sort of this morning realize that um, by uh, looking in the Bible. So what you want to do is why don't you grab one of the Bibles uh, around you, one of the, the Burgundy hardback Bibles. We're going to be in the book of John on page 740. Uh, so on John chapter 2, verse 13. So I'll let you turn there. John chapter 2, verse 13. And what I want to do is really look here about what, what Jesus says. And I just want to help us sort of, sort of see what he's talking about, the way he responds here. So if you read, so John chapter 2, verse 13. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So do people know this story? What Jesus does, he, he, he turns the place inside out, but we'll get to that in a second. What I want to do to help you sort of set this up and understand what's, uh, what's going on here. In the temple back in those days, there was a place to come and worship God, like we would be singing here. It was a place to come and, and be in God's presence. It was a place to come. What they had a system set up in the Old Testament. The Old Testament law was to come and to meet, make yourself right with God again, you would have to sacrifice an animal or, uh, or a sheep or a goat or something like that. You would bring your sacrifice to God and that would, you, would, you, would, you would sacrifice to the God and it would and make you right with God again. And it was a system, it was a law, it was something they had set up. But over time, just very subtly and literally, little changes that happen, we find what's happening in the temple and the research shows this, that it became about something else. It wasn't the real thing, that the, the purpose for going to come and sacrifice and, and uh, confess your sins to God. But what it was, it was like, well, okay, let's make this a bit easier. Why don't we just sell the sacrifices at the temple? So instead of you having to bring something, let's make it easier. Let's, let's sell these things at the temple and, uh, and you can offer your sacrifice there. We're making it easier. And then it became a little bit different. It's like, well, actually, now we can make some money on this. You know, we, 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 can, you know, we can actually profit from this. this is, don't worry about the sacrifice stuff. We're talking about how we can make money. So now they're selling and they're making money, they're, they're bargaining, they're doing all this. And this is all happening in the temple where God's presence is. And they're making it less about God and more about the, uh, the money exchanging and the, the business often. And then it comes to a point where they're like, actually, you know what? If you want to sacrifice, if you want to come to God, you have to buy our stuff. And it's almost like they're, they're blocking them. Now, when you read this story, it's like, actually, it's not, it's not too bad. We're offering a system by which we can allow you to sacrifice to God, to make yourself right with God. So on the surface, this, for them, it's like, actually, this looks all right. 
right? It looks similar to what, what God has been asking and, 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 and saying, you know, let's, let's set up the system of, of sacrifice. And, but it's but if, these subtle differences that are changing, and actually it's not the real thing. Right? God actually, he actually says, I don't want your sacrifices. I want you to be obedient. I want your heart more than I want to sacrifice. And what we see over time where these guys were probably just fully, wholeheartedly following God, just ever so subtly, they're getting a few degrees off. And it may look similar, but it's not the real thing. And theologian Josh Moody, he says, and I'm going to quote this, he says, it's possible to have a significant enough exposure to religion that we do this thing over and over again, that we have enough exposure that it functions as a sort of inoculation to the real thing. That we can do this long enough that we can forget about what this is all about. And that's what God's been putting in my heart, to come back to the basics. So what I want to do, let's, let's keep reading. Let's see what Jesus does and how he responds to this temple that is, is not, not moving in the way that, uh, that is aligned with, 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 what, with who he is. So what does Jesus do? It says here, I'm going to read from 14 again. In the temple courts, he found the people selling cattle, sheep, doves, and others sitting at the tables exchanging money. So he made a whip, of, whip out of cords. Now, I'm going to stop there for a second. Um, you start, this is a different Jesus to often what we talk about. We don't expect Jesus making a whip and he's going to do something mad in a second. Like, like we think of this, I've always imagined him uh, or been talked about him as this, just this loving Jesus. He's like my buddy who comes and keeps me company and he likes to, I don't know, he likes to play board games and maybe he just wants to be our friend. But you, often we don't hear about Jesus who's a passionate uh, a man for the things of the kingdom. And we see him, and what I love about this, he's, it says he's making a whip. So in the story, sometimes I've seen this interpreted as um, uh, it's okay for us to have like bursts of anger because Jesus did it. But when he's walked in the temple, he's seen all this stuff going on. But it's not like he grabs a whip. He has to make a whip. That takes time to make a whip. So it's not like he's coming with this big burst, but actually there's almost a righteousness about the way that he is, is a controlled response. So what does he do with this whip? So he made a whip of cords, and he, drove, and he drove all from the temple, courts both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned the tables. To those who sold doves, and this is where he get the, his language is, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. And we see his disciples, like, I don't know if they're panicking, they're seeing a side of Jesus they may have never seen before. Um, and they're like, they're trying to remember scripture from the Old Testament. And they're saying, they're saying what are they saying? They said, zeal for your house to consume me. Zeal is in passion. And we see Jesus so passionately uh, responding to what's going on in this temple. The next line, the Jews then responded to him. What sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? What I love about this is, if you think about maybe it was a violent act, but they're not accusing Jesus of uh, assaulting anyone or hitting anyone or causing any big damage. Their main concern, they haven't accused him of that. They've accused him of, well, what authority? So you get the sense that, uh, that maybe this is a, 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 an action that Jesus has taken to just clear the temple, but not actually to hurt anyone. There's a difference in the way we, you, we want to interpret this. So... What he says, he says to them, Jesus answers them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days, which is a little bit confusing for them. So they reply, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you are going to raise it in, th raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. And what Jesus has done here in the temple, and I really want to just sort of crystallize this for you, 
that in driving out all the sheep and the cattle and all the money exchanges, what he's doing, that he's getting rid of the things that aren't of the kingdom of God, things that may look right, but it may be, that, well, not maybe, but they aren't the real thing. That he's making a statement about what is it that they're really missing out on, that what they're doing, like I said, may look right, but it's, it's not the same. It's not the real thing. And what he's saying, it's not about the temple, actually, that it's about him. That it's all about him. That it's all about Jesus. That Jesus, he's the one who is the temple that he is dwelling in. And just as the priests were making it about something else, I want to, I'll be honest, sometimes I, I feel that we get in danger of making it about something else. That we get so exposed to this religion that we don't necessarily make it about the real thing. And what I want to really just, I'm going to give you uh, three examples just to help us focus in on what it is that maybe we're actually maybe just uh, getting a few degrees off. That there are people who are, who are walking away from Jesus and Jesus has called them uh, and they have turned around and they have turned their ways to Jesus. But what he's saying is actually he is passionate for those who are only a few degrees off. So I want to give you three examples. And maybe for some of us, we have strayed off course, but for some of us, maybe we are on course and align ourselves with Jesus. And he wants to just make us aware of how we can stray. So let's keep turning a few pages over. We're going to be in uh, page 752, John 14, verse 1. 14, verse 1. At this point in the Bible, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's... He's just told them that, you know what, I'm actually going to die soon. I'm going, I'm going to be killed. And they're like, oh, wait a minute. We're expecting a Messiah that's going to overthrow the Roman Empire. We're expecting this king that's going to come in and just rule and reign as what they were expecting to become this king that sits on a throne and just go, yeah, nah, now I'm overthrowing everything and I'm in charge. Now he's doing it, but not in the way that they expected. So he's just told them that. And, he's like, and they're like concerned. So his first line to comfort them is, do not let your hearts be troubled. He says, you believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me, uh, take you to be with me, that you, will also, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. That God, Jesus is saying that I am preparing the father's house for you, and that's where you're going. And then in the next line, you see the disciples. And what does Thomas say? He's like, right, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. What are you talking about? You just said you're going, to be, you, you're going to die. How are you supposed to take us to this place? Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And how does Jesus respond? Thomas is like, what is the method? What is the, what is the path? What, how are we going to get to this father's house that you're talking about? what does Jesus say? He says, I am the way. He says, I'm the truth. He says, I'm the life. No one can get to that father's house but through me. What Jesus is saying is here, and this is where I want to try to align ourselves, is that he is, in the, way, he is the way in which we come to God. He is it's, it's almost like as well as like he is the method by which we come to God, that having him and possessing him, we have a way, that by, by having him, we have a method by which we can come to the Father. 
Watchman Nee, in, in, in his book, All Things Spiritual, says, uh, he says, every true believer must learn this lesson at least once. That for, for most of us, that when we, when we came to Jesus, that it was a, uh, it's, it was a, I said, you know what, I'm going to turn, I'm going to turn away. I'm no longer going to go my own way. I'm going to follow Jesus with all my heart, mind, and soul. That's a lesson that if you were, if you were followed Jesus, that is something that you would have prayed or said or prayed or said or something, but that Jesus is the way, that the Lord Jesus is the only method that we have. I want to help you sort of unpack that. What, what do I mean by this? When we were in, in uh, holidays, my wife and I and the kids uh, were in Townsville a couple of weeks ago, and we visited a church there. Really welcome there, really lovely people. Uh, had a great chat with the pastor there, and uh, got chatting with this guy who was serving in the youth. And as my wife and I, we love talking to people and finding out how they became Christians or their faith journey. And he told us his story. And he, he was a guy who was living in Melbourne, now living in Townsville, uh, lived down in Sale, not following Jesus or any sort of faith, not doing completely atheistic. And he, he was working as a personal trainer, just training people up in a, in a gym, and he had some clients, and one day he got sick. Now, he's got a strong family history of, of, of heart problems and heart disease. And he got really sick, didn't turn up to work, went to a hospital, was getting sicker and sicker and sicker. He blacked out, and then he woke up one day in the intensive care in Royal Melbourne Hospital with a pacemaker in, and his heart just trying to stay alive. And didn't have a lot of visitors come see him, and he was just in this hospital by himself. And then one day, these three or four people just turned up to his bedside. And he's like, what are you guys doing here? And who were they? they were his clients, who, were his, who he was training at his gym. And he hardly knew them. It's like, he's like, I, don't, I actually don't know you guys that well. Why are you here? And they had made uh, the six-hour trip from, round trip from Sale all the way into the city to come and pray for him. And he's like, he goes, what is wrong with these people? <laughs> they don't even know me. Why would they come and pray for me? What are they talking about? And he tells us the story later that, uh, that they came and prayed for him, and he still has a pacemaker, but his heart is essentially healed. That where his family is still having troubles, that he is. He's fine. He's got no problems. He's living a normal life. And he says, I didn't be, and like, so something to do with that moment where these people came, and, and it wasn't, he didn't become a Christian there and then, he says it was much later down the track, but there's something about these people who would go way out of their way to come and just be with him and pray for him, even though they hardly knew him, but because they wanted him to know Jesus. Now, I tell you the story, and I'm like, wow, this is an incredible story. I'm, I'm amazed by, by that people would do that. And we can hear this story, and we can say, okay, that is a good, I mean, I can do that, right? We can do that, can't we? We can go out of our way to go and pray for people and, you know, spend time with them and go, man, that's a great, that's a great way of, of, of being part of the kingdom. It's a great method. It's a great way of doing things. It's good for my faith. It's going to help grow me. And then maybe we, we go and do this method and maybe it's not quite what we expected or something like that. It's, it's just what I'm trying to say is that the, what would make these people go? It's not because, come and pray for this guy. It's not because that's the right thing to do. That it's because of Jesus in their heart and transforming. So what am I trying to say? That when Jesus says, he's the way, we're not saying that this is the right method. We're saying that the method is a man. Are you following me? We're saying that the method is a person, that the method is Jesus. He says, he says no, no, that's not, a, like Thomas is like, how do we get there? Right, and he goes, no, no, he goes, you get there through the way. 
I help you understand again. If we, I love testimonies. There's something powerful about when people get up and share. Uh, and we hear stories of people getting set free. And we, we, they talk about, man, I've, I've experienced freedom. I've experienced joy. I've experienced peace from following Jesus. And I was doing this, 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 and this. And we go, man, maybe if I implemented those methods, I would find the same freedom. And then we go and implement those methods. And it's like, well, why am I not feeling the same freedom? Why am I not feeling the same experiencing the same things that this person talked about and I can see it in their life and I can see transformation. But that's because those things in themselves are just methods. Why would someone do those things? Well, it's because of the person. The method is a man. The method is a way. And this is what I'm talking about, that Christ asks us to align himself with him. He is the way. But sometimes we find ourselves maybe stepping in doing little things that uh, we go, like, oh, no, this is what I'm supposed to do, or this, this, will, this will work, and I'll, I'll have freedom and peace, and I'll do this. But it's not the real thing. Now, those things themselves aren't bad, right? We talk about, Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ, and, you know, iron sharpens iron, that, that these are examples of things that have set people free. But it's all about Jesus. He says to Thomas, he says, I am the way. We look at we look at I mean, an example. We talk about we, we talk about win the day. Do you understand what I mean by win the day here? We encourage people here at Red as a practical to get up and spend time with Jesus in the morning. Uh, and we talk about don't use your phone as an alarm because the first thing that you do is your alarm goes off. You pick up your phone, you read the news, you look at Instagram or some sort of social media, and then your day is shaped by that. But we encourage you to put your phone aside, just get a, a standard alarm clock, wake up and spend time with Jesus. Now, the danger is we go, oh, let me do that and then I'll be okay. But we say that. Why? Because we actually want you to spend time with Jesus, not just win the day. Because the danger is then it becomes something, and, I, and this has happened to me, where it becomes, let me just read a commentary on Jesus in the morning and that's my win the day, but not actually spend any time with Jesus. We want to look for some sort of formula because our society teaches that, that that like if you think about it, it's like you go down to a bookshop and you say there's there's you know do this method, right, and you'll achieve this. Like you know, you, I don't know, it's not news, but in the news.com or whatever it is, they tell you here are ten things you can do to get a great body. There's a formula that you can you do this 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 you'll get a great body or you'll lose weight. Um, there's some formula to how to ace an interview or there's some method you could use to. Uh, make friends and influence people. I, I, I think every day there's something new that says, here's some superfood you can eat that'll, that'll make you feel fantastic. So it was, it was uh, I remember it being quinoa, then it was kale, and then maybe it was spirulina or coconut oil, and now people are asking me for scobies, right, because they want to make kombucha. It's like, it's the next greatest thing. This, this, is, this, is, what, this is what our society says is how we're shaped. But believing in Jesus and believing in a formula are two completely different things. Right? Jesus says, I am the method. I am the way that you come to the Father. You look at the temple, it's like they're creating other ways to come to the Father. You want to come to the Father, you've got to buy this sheep. You want to come to the Father, you've got to do this. But then you look at Zacchaeus, the, the tax collector, the man who's hated by people, right, because of the way he's stealing money from them. And we look at that story and he says, ah, oh, he's, he's encountered Jesus, and then he goes out and he's, he's, he's given away ten times uh, what he took away, and like, oh no, you know what? Maybe I can do that. I can, you know, maybe that's something I can do. But again, that's just the method. Why did Zacchaeus give that money away? Why did he do that? Because he encountered Jesus. Jesus went and had dinner with him first, and a change of heart because he was aligned himself with Jesus. And as a result of that, 
He wanted to give his money away. Jesus says, I am the way, not any other method. He goes on, he says, I'm the way, but he also says that I'm the truth. So that's the first one, I'm the way. The second thing is, he says, I'm the truth. And I want to be aware of how we do this, that the truth, what Jesus is talking about here, does not refer to the words that were spoken about Jesus, but the truth is Jesus himself. So easy is this for us to take the teachings and interpretation of the Bible and the teachings and the interpretations of Jesus and say, that is the truth, and then practice those things. But in reality, it's, it's not understanding of those things that Jesus has taught, but it's, it's Jesus himself. So there's a passage in John, I won't get you to turn, I'll read it for you. It says this, it says, you will know the truth, and then the truth will set you free. Now, so easy. In the past, I would have read that as uh, when you understand doctrines, when you understand what is the right thing to do, when you, when, you, when you understand all those things, then you will be free. But the word truth there is the same Greek word that, that Jesus used when he says, I'm the truth. So when we reread that passage, you read that instead of saying, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free, what he's really saying is, you will know Jesus and Jesus will set you free. It's a very subtle, it's like five degrees difference. It looks the same, but it's actually not the real thing. Again, help you to understand that. Let's say you have tonight offended me. You haven't. I'm actually really glad I'm here. But let's say you've offended me. Something that you've said and it's upset me. And I've just outburst in front of everyone, yelled at you, screamed at you, gotten really angry at you, really inappropriately said something to you. I storm out. And I go home, and I sit there, and I go, oh, what have I done? The, the, the Bible says, this is, what, this is what the teachings, teachings say that I need to forgive. Jesus says, I have to forgive them and ask for forgiveness. So I, I start writing a letter, and I start writing a letter, or for you guys, like a text message, you know, I'm old school. Um, and so you start writing this, this message or te- uh, letter, I'm just going to go with letter. And I write a letter, and it's like, ah. Oh, I want to, sorry, I go, no, no, I'm still angry, I'm still furious, and, and my heart is just is, is burning with anger. And I go, no, no, okay, the, the Bible says I should ask for forgiveness, write this, write this, I start, keep going, keep, no, let me put it away, I can't, I'm so angry, I'm furious, oh, God, the Bible says I should do this. So I come back and I write this letter, and I write this letter, and I go, okay, I finally finished it, I'm still not happy, and I send it off for you, send the message off. And then you writing, you know, I ask for your forgiveness, and this is a situation, yada, yada. And you come back, and you speak to them, and you see them the next Sunday at church, and you're still angry in your heart, but you're smiling, and you're happy, and you're shaking hands, and you walk away, and you're still angry. Now, does that sound like someone who's free? It's not, because it's, 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 just, it's just there, it's a, how to describe it? On the surface, it looks like the same thing, doesn't it? This person's received an apology or asked for forgiveness and they've shook your hand and smiled. On the surface, it looks like the real thing, but it's not. And Jesus says, like, and there's nothing wrong with doctrines. Don't get me wrong. I love, it's very important for us to understand this stuff and know this stuff well and what we believe. But there's a difference between Jesus saying, this is the truth, what I'm telling you about. But he says, I am the truth. He is the one who has the power to set you free from whatever anger and, and allow you to forgive freely. Right? Not some instructions or rules that you should be doing. But he says, I am the truth. We don't try and just learn doctrines and recall them 
as we can and act accordingly. Uh, Watchman Nee, in his same book, he says, he says, that's actually a dead orthodoxy. He says, it is Christ that lives in us, that he is the truth, and therefore that is living. I am the way. I am the truth. And the last thing Jesus says, as, we, as, he, as he looks to align ourselves with him, he says, I am the life. So much of our lives are focused on ourselves, and, and we know that, that what is our, what's, my, what's my 10-year plan, or what's my career, what's the job I'm trying to get, and so often, I've seen this so often, that we do this without Jesus, right, this is what I'm supposed to be doing, this is, I, I want this marriage, or I want this, this relationship, or uh, it's about my life, but I've, I've come to realize that, that, again, that we can come to church, and again, it can look the same, that, yep, I'm, I'm doing this job, and, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian, and I'm coming on a Sunday. But again, it only takes a couple of degrees off to be something else that is not Jesus, that it's not the real thing. And really, again, to help you understand this, um, what I mean by Jesus is the life is so much of being in ministry and so much of, and my other work, which I do, uh, is I'm a supervisor and I manage people. So much I've noticed of, of what people struggle with and the issues they face stem from some family of origin story. That maybe it was a parent or parents who have shaped us and, and, and whether good or bad, or even you know, maybe a parent that was absent or whatever it is. So much of, of our hang-ups and stuff that we have today come as a result of our family upbringing and, 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 and where we were brought up. And I'm just more and more realizing it's incredible. So if you want to talk about my family of origin, uh, the issues, I've, like I said, I'm a big unit, right? I have problems with eating. That's, I'm not going to, you know, that's, I'm laying that out there, that's true. It's very, it's one of the things that are visible. You can see my problems because I'm a big unit. But I have a problem with eating, and I had spent some time with uh, one of our AM congregation guys, Martin, who's an incredible coach, and we were talking about family of origin and, you know, the problems we've had with, with upbringing or friends or experiences that we've had. And I look back on my life. And so much of my family's events have revolved around, revolved around food. Like we, that's how we define ourselves. We're a family that eats. And if you saw us, we're a big family, right? That, like, like I still remember the, 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 the food that I ate at my parents' 40th wedding anniversary. Like, we're Indian, incredible curries, spices. My mum is an incredible cook. Um, it, I love it. I can st- we still talk about that. I, I think about one of, the gra- I tell you, one of the greatest moments that define my family uh, is, and we still talk about it today, is we went to a, a, a restaurant called, the, uh, I think it's called the Peach Tree Cafe. Um, it's an all-you-can-eat place. Right, so which is which is actually most of the places we go to for as a family. Um, so we went to this place. We went there, and they go, "Oh, sorry, we've overbooked." And we're like, "No, nah, no, nah, this is not good enough. We're here to eat. What's going on?" And they go, "Listen, we're going to make it up to you." Right? They said, "We'll give you money back for tonight, and here you can come eat for free next time when you have a time." And we're like, "Yeah, this is us." This is what, and but that's not the end. It gets better. Like, they are like, okay, so, and it's actually, it's a bit of a fancy hotel uh, where the Petrie Cafe uh, is or was, I don't know if it's still there, and uh, they said, I tell you what, we feel bad that we've ever booked you, I know you want to have dinner, here's a voucher for your entire family to go down to the hotel food court and you can eat whatever you want from there. And we're like, oh, yeah, come on, this is, this is us, this is what we do, right? So and we literally, we still talk about this moment. We went down there and we ate food court food for, man, for hours. And we were so happy. And when we couldn't eat any more, we ate more. 
right? You know what? You know, you ever been there? You just, you can't, like, you don't want to waste this opportunity, right? We can, we can go for a walk tomorrow. That we never went for the walk, but it's, um, you know, we can, we can, but, you know, this is like, I remember when my dad used to take me and my brother, we'd go swimming or we'd play tennis or we'd play basketball. Uh, my dad was an avid sportsman and he'd take us out and we'd play. And after that, we would always get ice cream. Man, some of the best times of my life were me spending time with my dad, having ice cream. It was incredible. And I've had a great upbringing, and I don't ever want to take it for granted. I understand not everyone has the same upbringing. But it was incredible. But that has shaped my life. So now, when I'm having a down day, when things at work haven't gone well, or someone's upset me, or maybe, you know, whatever it is, what do I do? I want to go back to a good place, don't I? I eat ice cream. Right? And not in small amounts, because we're a family that eats. Right, and you go to the like the emotion that comes out of it is I go to the shops and there's a little tub and I just walk right past it. You know what I mean? I come to the end where the big tubs are and I grab it and maybe because I'm worried about it, I hide it from my wife. I'll be eating in the car. It's ongoing issues there. But, but when Jesus says He's the life, He's saying no beyond because your identity is not found in those things. They and they're good things too. Time with my father is incredible. But he goes, no, your identity, and we hear we always talk about identity at red. That your identity, he says, no, no, it is found in me. He says, no, I am the life. So when I look back, we, we, if you look at my origin story, it's like when I was born into the world, I was born into a broken world, right? It's a good way to frame it is that you're not, you're not born perfect, and then when you sinned, you became a sinner. It's like, no, no, you were born a sinner, so you're going to sin. Do you see there's a difference there? Right? So we're born into a broken world. We're going to have families that are, that are shaping us in good ways and bad ways. And Jesus says, you know what? If I am the way, I am the truth. He says, I am the life. Right? He, says, he said to me, he goes, that is your old way of living. He says, that is the old man. I'm inviting you to be born again and come into a new life. And I'll be honest with you, reframed the way that I have, have looked at my eating incredible ways. I look at Eva's story who always shares with us how, and she won't mind because she said from the front, maybe she won't mind. Um, she, I'm doing it now anyway. She's always shared with us how she like, lost an incredible amount of weight. And who do you attribute that to? She attributes it to Jesus because he is the life. But so much of our stories in our life is like, you know, we can follow Jesus, but I still have my own ways, still have my own life. I still have family of origin stories that shape us. And that it can look so similar. It can look almost exactly the same. But it's not the real thing. I think God is calling us to align ourselves with him tonight. Back to basics, that this is all about Jesus. It's all about him. I want to give you a visual example. I'm going to invite the, uh, the band to come up again. And not to sit at your instruments, I want you to stand over here for me. I'm going to move this over. I hope you sort of understand this. Thanks, guys. So, what I'm going to do is, and this is just representative, this is not you guys, so I want to, to understand this. Lily, I want you to stand here. Lily represents some anxiety that you have, maybe. All right? Got Sam, comes over here, he's going to represent, I don't know what, financial problems. Maybe you're struggling with finances. All right, come forward a tiny bit. Grace, come over here. Grace represents... Family of origin story. You just stand behind Sam. That's all right. She represents family of origin story or something, some issue she's struggling with. 
And maybe you're going to represent, let's think about it. You're going to represent um, relationship problems, all right? So come stand next to Grace. Stu here, Stu's going to represent Jesus, all right? <laughs> represent, representing. All right, Stu, what I want you to do is stand behind everyone. So much of the way that we view our lives, right, is like this. We see Jesus through through our anxiety. It's shaped by our anxiety. We see Jesus through our financial troubles. We see Jesus through our uh, family stories. We see Jesus through our relationship problems. And we see that, and like, that's not living. But what Jesus says when he says, I am the way, when he says, I am the truth, and he says, I am the life, right? This is where he wants to be, right? This is where he wants to stand. So when I'm looking at these things, right, all these things are filtered through Jesus, right? That he is the way, that this is not something else that we're trying to achieve through and then get to Jesus, but he is first and foremost. And when you get really close to Jesus, those things are still there, right? They're not, they're, they're not disappeared, they haven't gone, those things are still there. But when you get really close to Jesus, then you can only see him and you start, those things are shaped in a completely different way. And that's my heart today, that, that thanks guys, you can, I'm going to almost done if you want to head to the instruments. <laughs> that my heart today is that Jesus has a, an incredible passion and zeal for the things that are for his kingdom, the things that are real. And so many of the things we have in our life that, that, that we do as we follow Jesus, that they take us, that we do that just take us slightly off course, maybe even a fair way off course. But tonight, Jesus is asking you to realign himself. Realign yourselves with him. That he has said, there is no other way to get to this house that I'm preparing for you. When Thomas goes, which way do we go? How do we do it? He goes, he says, he goes it's not a method. He says, I am that method. I am the way. I am the truth. And he says, I am the life. He loves you so much that he has so much compassion for you that he'll be willing to share that with you tonight. Right? And if you have been in a place where maybe you are a few degrees off, he's calling you to a line. Maybe you're at 90 degrees and you're neither here nor there. Maybe you've walked away from him and you're here and you're just trying to make, make just sense of all this. But he is tonight calling any of you, wherever you are, to realign yourself with him. He is the true God. This has been about Jesus. This is about Jesus. This has always been about Jesus. Father, tonight as we have heard your word and as we have worshipped, I want to ask that the eyes of our hearts that have been opened, that, that as our hearts are beating and they're stirring, that you are calling us to examine the ways that we maybe have uh, filled our temple with things that are not of you. And tonight you are wanting to clear the temple and you want to do it with passion and zeal uh, and not to clear us out of the temple, but to clear the things that are holding us back from being aligned with you that you were so passionate for us, that you would, you would, you would make a whip and you would drive out those things uh, with, with, with a passion that is just so much for us because you love us. And tonight, Jesus, as you are the way, that you are the truth, that you are the life, that we would know that in everything we do and that as we've come back just to this basic principle that you are everything, that we would know you even more. You're an incredible God and we give all our glory to you. In your name, amen. We're going to worship again, and we move into what we call a time of ministry time. I, you guys do this uh, in the evening a lot. And what we're going to do, I think there are going to be some people to pray on the sides. And when we worship, it's a time for us to be healed. It's a time for us to spend time with Jesus. 
It's a time for us to go, yes, I want to realign myself with you. And if, if you want, if God is stirring in your heart and he's heard something, maybe it was a, a family origin story or whatever it is that God is stirring in your heart, um, don't let this opportunity pass you by to come and just ask someone for prayer. We don't do this alone. We never have done this alone. We do this with other people in the faith. And I encourage you tonight as we worship and as we sing, as we praise this wonderful God, this Jesus that came off his throne to sacrifice himself, that as he says, I am the way and the truth and the life, that we would come to him first in everything that we do. So we're going to sing, we're going to worship, and as you feel free, just if you want to come in prayer, uh, ask for prayer, don't hesitate, hold, don't hold back, but let's stand, let's worship, and let's sing.